0: Thank you for joining us on the Victory Church podcast. Here at Victory Church, we're all about helping people win. And today's message is going to help you do just that. So let's get started. We're in a series of messages for the new year uh, that we have entitled Clear Vision 2020. Get it? All right. Got a tough crowd this morning. In the opener, we gave you three keys to having and maintaining clearer vision in 2020 and beyond. What were they again? Come on, tell me. See, say so. Say Say it one more time. See. See, Very good. We need to get a vision of God's plan. All right, we need to get a vision of God's plan. God reveals that through the pages of his word. We call that revelation. When I get a picture of what God's plan for my life is, and it's revealed to me, I have a revelation of God's plan for my life, then we need to begin to declare God's vision. We call this prophecy that's all prophecy is. It's the declaration of the word of God over our life. And so we begin to declare God's vision, God's plans, God's purposes over our life. And then thirdly, we sow our actions into the revealed vision. And that's what we call obedience. And the blessing of God flows out of these three things. As I see it, as I say it, and as I sow it, it unlocks the clearer vision of God's plan for our life. We then listed seven key areas from God's word that we need to have a revelation on. We gave them to you. They were your identity, who we are in Christ, your priorities, relationships, finances, health, the church, and our mission. What we want to do is we want to break down each of these areas and gain a greater vision from God in these particular areas for our life. Then we can activate our faith through confession and actions into that area and experience the transforming power of the Word of God in our lives. Last week, we started out on our discussion about our identity in Christ, and I've received so many, uh, so much feedback from people saying what a blessing that message was and how that it opened their eyes to a lot of things. And I do believe it is one of the most critical areas of our life. And if we can get a revelation of our identity in Christ, it can change our lives. So, now that we are beginning to get a vision of God's revelation of our true identity, I want to take the next step in our process just to drive this principle a little deeper into our lives. Are you up for that? So today I want to talk to you about declaring our true identity or declaring your true identity. The first step to clear vision is see. The second step is say. See. Say. I know we've talked a little bit about this already, but have you ever stopped, really stopped, to consider the power of the words, of your words to your identity? Have you ever just really stopped and thought about how powerful, how significant Your words are to your identity. Advertisers have. Advertisers have taken a lot of time to think about what their words declare about their identity. They use catchy slogans to brand or define who they are or what they can do. Let's see if you can identify these companies or products by their slogans. You ready? Just do it. You guys are so good. 15 minutes could save you 15% or more on your car insurance. You got that one, right? Freaky fast delivery. It's the real thing. Some of y'all didn't know that one, did you? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to age several of you here in this next one. Plop, plop, fizz, fizz, oh, what a relief it is. Alka-Seltzer. Come on, everybody knows that. The breakfast of champions. No, it's Pepsi. (laughs) Right. Just over the hill from high plot prices. Get a little closer to home here. How about this one? Helping people win. Come on, Victory Church. See, words contain power. It brings identity to our lives. It helps us to clearly see who, and what we are. But most people do not understand or they underestimate the power of their words. The Bible is filled with references that would give us insight into the power of our words. Matthew chapter number 12, verses 35 through 37. A good man out of the good treasure of his heart brings forth good things. And an evil man out of the evil treasure brings forth evil things. But I say to you that for every idle word men may speak, they will give an account of it in the day of judgment. For by your words you will be justified, and by your words you will be condemned. What we're speaking over our life has significant power. What we're speaking into our world is creating a world that is before us. So we need to understand just how significant our words are to our identity. Again, one of my favorite scriptures in the Bible is Ephesians chapter four, and verse 29. It says, let no corrupt word proceed out of your mouth, but what is good for necessary edification that it may impart grace to the hearers. Do you see that? Let no corrupt words. That word corrupt means lifeless or unprofitable, words, but only that which is necessary for edification, that it builds up, that it encourages, it strengthens, it solidifies. We need those kinds of words coming out and proceeding from our mouth because it imparts grace, God's divine enablement into our lives. How many remember the story that we've been telling over the last couple of weeks about the the children of Israel coming out of Egypt? God wanted to take them into the promised land. Remember that? They came to the border, and God wanted to to show them the, the fruitfulness of the land. So he sends 12 spies into the land. They come back with a report. Two of them said, let's go. We can take it. But 10 of them came back and gave an evil report. And this is what they said. We can't possess it. They are bigger and stronger than we are. We seem like grasshoppers in our own eyes, and so we looked the same to them they began to declare something about themselves the way that they saw themselves and the way that they saw themselves put them in a position where they could not go in and take possession of what God wanted them to have. That was their identity. They saw themselves as grasshoppers. They saw themselves as with the inability to do what God had promised to do. Well, they didn't stop there. In chapter number 14, they continued to murmur and complain to Moses saying, And all the Israelites grumbled against Moses and Aaron, and the whole assembly said to them, If only we had died in Egypt or in the desert. In verse 3 they said, Why has the Lord brought us to this land to die by the sword that our wives and our children should become victims? Isn't that interesting? That's how they saw themselves. They saw themselves as victims. God wanted to bring them into the promised land, but all they could see was their own inadequacies. They were putting the blame on God. Why did God do this? Why did God let this happen? Have you ever been guilty of saying something like that? Why did God bring us here? Why did God let that happen? We put the blame on God. God never promised us a battle-free life. Hello? You may be in a battle right now, but God didn't bring you here to die. He brought you here so that he could demonstrate his power in your life. Some of you needed to know that today. You may be in a battle. You may be thinking, why has God done this? Why has God God brought you here? to this point, so that he could demonstrate his power in your life. It's kind of quiet in here, right? God wants to show himself strong. You've got to embrace God. You've got to embrace his plan for your life. Even though it may not look like it, what has God promised you? He'd promised them the promised land. But they could not enter in because they did not see themselves as he saw them. Back to the scriptures here, Exodus chapter 14, verses 27, God had had enough. And he says, how long will this wicked community grumble against me? I have heard the complaints of these grumbling Israelites. So tell them, as surely as I live, declares the Lord, I will do to you the very things I heard you say. In this desert, your bodies will fall. Every one of you, 20 years of old and more, who have, was counted in the census, who has been grumbling against me. Did you see that? The very things I heard you say. In this desert, your bodies will fall. Their words became their reality. Notice the power of their words. That was not God's desire for them, but their own words condemned them. In the book of Hebrews, chapter number three, we find an interesting scripture that I just want to spend a few moments on here today. It says, therefore, holy brethren, partakers of the heavenly calling, consider... The apostle and high priest of our confession, Christ Jesus. Consider the apostle and high priest of our confession, Christ Jesus. Jesus is the apostle. The apostle, and apostle means sent one. They're the the one that goes before. They're the the messenger. They're They're the example that we are to follow. Remember the apostle Paul said, follow me as I follow Christ. Paul was an apostle. He was a sent one. He was an example for us to look to as to how to live our lives in Christ. Well, Jesus is an apostle. And he was called upon to lead us and to show us, to set an example for us of how we are to live our lives. I'm gonna come back to that in just a moment. But Jesus is also the high priest what is the function of the high priest, right? What does the high priest do? Well, in the Old Testament, the high priest was responsible for taking the people's sacrifice and offering it to God on their behalf. You remember they would bring uh, an unblemished animal. The The high priest would slay the animal and then he would take the animal and he would place it up on the altar and he would offer it as an offering unto God. That was the the One of the the functions of the high priest was that he offered the sacrifices of the people on their behalf. And here in Hebrews chapter 3, it says, he is the high priest of our confession. Wow. Could it be that Jesus, as our high priest, literally takes the words of our confession and offers them up as a sacrifice before God? Think, Think about that. Jesus is the high priest of your confession. So he takes the words that are coming out of your life and he offers them to God as your sacrifice. Wow. By your words, you will be justified. By your words, you will be condemned. Notice again, Numbers chapter 14, what did God say? You Just as you have spoken in my hearing, so shall I do to you. Again, their confession became their reality. Now back to Jesus as the apostle. He's the apostle of our confession. He is our example. He was sent to show us the way. So how did Jesus operate in the sense of his confession Right. What do we hear him saying about his identity? Let me give you several here. You ready? John chapter 6 and verse 35, Jesus said, I am the bread of life. He said that about himself. I am the bread of life. In John chapter 8 and verse 12, I am the light of the world. Jesus is declaring his identity In John chapter 10 and verse 9, I am the door. Come on. Are you getting this? John chapter 10 and verse 11, I am the good shepherd. He's the one. John chapter 14, verse 6, I am the way, the truth, and the life. John chapter 15 and verse 5, I am the vine. Come on. John chapter 17, verse 16, I am not of the world. (laughs) He's declaring who he is. He let his words declare his identity. And in Luke chapter 22, verse 70, he said, I am the son of God. Jesus is the apostle of our confession. He's the one that set an example for us of how we are to communicate about our own self. And in 1 John chapter 4 and verse 17 the Bible says as he is so are we in this world. We're to operate in this earth realm just as Jesus operated. So here's my question. What is your declaration about yourself? How do you speak about your identity? Who do you say that you are? What declarations define You. What you say about you defines who you believe you are. I'm trying to help give you a new identity today. I'm trying to help you discover who God created you to be. So, at the beginning of this message, in our Bible confession, we said, I am what the Word says I am, I have what the Word says I have. And I can do what the word says I can do. Let's just break that down a little bit. Let's look at some I am statements from the word of God. In Ephesians chapter number four, it says, I am created according to God in true righteousness and holiness. I am created in Christ to to God in true righteousness and I am created in him to be righteous and holy. That's who I am. I am the righteousness of God in Christ. I've been declared holy. What does the word holy mean? It just means holy, committed to his purpose. That's what holiness is. It's just being holy, committed to the purpose of God. Are you holy today? You are, whether you know it or not. You need to awaken to who God has called you to be so that you can become everything God's created you to become. In 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse 20, I am an ambassador for Christ. That's who I am. That's who you are. Is anybody as excited about this message today as I am? I, I'm just not really sure if, if you're really excited about this or not. I am. This is who I am. This is my true Identity. And this is your true identity. But until you see yourself that way, and until you begin to declare that over your life, you will continue to see yourself through the lens of everything else we talked about last Sunday. Your experiences, your, your nationality, your, your, your profession, you'll see yourself that way. But when you begin to see yourself as the word of God declares, it will change the way you live Your life. I am an ambassador for Christ. Can you say that? Yes, you are. Romans chapter 6 and verse 11. Listen to this. I am dead to sin and alive to God in Christ. I am dead to sin. I'm alive to God in Christ. That's my identity sin no longer has dominion over me because it's dead to me but I am alive to Christ I am alive to God Romans chapter 8 verse 14 I am led by the spirit of God therefore I am a child of God hello any other children out there sons and daughters of the most high God I'm not sure. Do I have any sons in the house? Come on, can I hear you? Do we have any sons in the house? Can I hear you today? Come on. I'm not talking about wimps. I'm talking about warriors. Are there any any sisters of God? Brothers, are you going to let the girls out yell you? I can guarantee you there's going to be some Chiefs fans today that are going to be screaming their lungs out. Did you really wear your Chiefs thing? You got your Chiefs sweatshirt on? So most of you discerned last week that I was half prophetic and half pathetic. Right? Right? Seahawks just didn't show up till the second half. I mean, come on, what is up with that? Right? But it's our new identity. I am what the Word says I am. And I have what the Word says I have. Are you ready for this one? I have been crucified with Christ. And I no longer live. But it's Christ who lives in me. And the life that I live in the flesh, I live by faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Gary Hart died in Christ. Now Gary Hart lives to the glory of God. That's my identity. This life is not my own. I was bought with a price. I have been crucified with Christ. Amen? I have been blessed with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly realms, Ephesians 1 3. I am a very blessed man. And so are you. But if you don't see yourself as blessed, it's gonna be hard to receive the blessing God wants to pour out in your life. But I've received every spiritual blessing in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus the Lord. I have the spirit of power and of love and of sound mind. Second Timothy chapter 1, verse 7. He has not given me a spirit of fear, but a spirit of power and of love and of self-discipline. Some translations read self-discipline, right? Some of y'all just, just let your, your flesh do whatever it wants to do. No, he hasn't given you that spirit. I have the spirit of a sound mind, self-discipline. I am a disciplined follower of the Lord Jesus Christ. That's who I am. That's who you are. But until you see your true identity, you'll let your flesh rule over you. Your flesh will tell you what it wants to do until you put your flesh in its place and say, no, I've not been given that spirit. I've got a spirit of self-discipline. 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 21. I have been healed by the stripes of Jesus. I have been healed by the stripes of Jesus. That's what the word of God says. By his stripes, you have been healed. Have been. Healed, have been, I am the healed of the Lord. And you need to begin to declare your true identity over your body, even when it doesn't look like it. Because what's happening to you is not your true identity. What God's word says is your true identity. I have been healed by the stripes of Jesus I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me, Philippians chapter 4 and verse 13. I can pray. I can read my Bible, 2 Timothy 2.